Hello and welcome to After the Checkered. I'd just like to say that I think my microphone has been a little bit too far forward. That's why I don't feel as comfortable doing the podcast the last couple of weeks. Hopefully that'll get uh, remedied. I'm Coy. He's Josh. Let's get at it, buddy. Let's get doing? at it. I'm doing good. Beers on the podcast tonight. What are you having? I am having a Polliner Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. Can't okay. Oh, solid, yeah. Solid go-to, go-to beer. It's always just kind of like a, 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 good, a good fallback beer. I'm drinking a Mother's Brewing Company uh, Tropical Pale Ale Trop Top. So I've had a couple of these on oh, the podcast good. before, but it's not my, hasn't been the uh, the featured beer. So I'll send, we'll send some pics out on the, uh, on the socials about the beers. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good stuff. So um, right away, I noticed uh, keeping up the trend with your F1 gear. That is a sick shirt you got on my friend, Fran Alonzo. It, it's a little F1 gear-ish because while it is Alonzo, and I have a couple like Alonzo Ferrari shirts. This is in, in this is when he was in IndyCar. Okay. This is his IndyCar shirt. That, I, I thought it looked got. a little different. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's IndyCar. a I, well, it's it's hard to tell, but that's a sixty-six. That was his IndyCar number. Yeah. I like um, that shirt though. Thanks. Yeah, this was one of the uh one of the shirts that I got from like that IndyCar sale that they had. You know, every year they have like a crazy sale at the end of the year and I, and I would just buy up like random driver shirts. It's great. You can get some like really good shirts. I got a new arrow, new era, um, hello polo, Alex Polo shirt for like six bucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's this one of my one, most comfortable think, t-shirts. I know. I love the shirt. I think this was like six. I think this was like five or six bucks. I remember getting a uh, the year after Joseph Newgarden won, not the year that he won. I got like a 2019 or yeah championship shirt for like three dollars. Like it's crazy deals, you know. If you're in the car. Yeah, and if anybody remembers that throwback call when uh, Alex Pillow won his first race, uh, it was Hello Pillow. So yep. I, I still stick with that. People, if you ever have trouble rem- remembering his name, just remember that phrase. It rhymes kind of. Yeah, that's that's the rhyme. The mnemonic device. There you go. You that, that's how I, I remember it. Um, Not a lot of F1 news. We are in like the early gap break of the season. So April, pretty much the entire month of April is off. So I apologize, folks. This is going to be a quick episode. Coy and I don't have a lot to talk about. We got a little bit of news things and a little bit of a fun game that we kind of did um, to kind of fill the void of this lack of racing. But let's jump right into some of the news here, Coy. And uh, right away, F1 agrees to a new contract with Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, I really wonder what this could mean in the future. They still have their they have a contract for broadcasting rights here in the U.S. with Disney, ESPN uh, up until 2025. And it seems like Paramount Plus is going to kind of be doing some behind the scenes stuff, maybe some, you know, on off, you know, grid stuff, uh, sort of in the paddock kind of things, kind of trying to capitalize more on the drive to survive, it seems. But I really wonder what this means down the road for them when that contract comes up, because Paramount Plus outbid quite a few people to get the Champions League for soccer. And that seems to be doing pretty well for them. I know that it's got them some subscribers. If they should happen to maybe you know outbid ESPN or Disney for the F1 rights down the future, and I kind of feel like this is like getting their foot in the door so that they can, you know, maybe get those rights. I don't know. That's just speculation. But yeah, I'm interested to see how that happens. You mentioned the Drive to Survive, um, just how their partnership because Paramount Plus is really big into producing their own content, their own series, mm-hmm. their own shows. So. I got to figure that if they make a push for it and get the rights, they'd be looking to produce their own series similar to that. Um, right. 
is that good or is that good or bad i don't know everybody loves the netflix series if they would deviate away from that would they lose fans would they gain fans i gotta feel like that the diehards are gonna follow it wherever it goes like myself like if it goes to paramount plus i already subscribe to that so it's not a big deal to me but you know some people are on a tighter budget they can only pick one or two streaming services and if netflix is the one they choose that's better for them or their family you know that that might impact their viewership i don't know because netflix let's face it is bigger than paramount plus at this time even though probably in the grand scheme of it, Paramount's actually bigger. Netflix right. is just established in that streaming situation where Paramount Plus is a little bit newer. They're newer. They've got, you know, I know that they've got some of like the Yellowstone shows and they've developed a lot of their own shows that, that are drawing viewers. Like I said, they've got the Champions League and really they're the only game in town for the Champions League. They've started showing some games on like CBS, which is another thing is because I would be a, a cool thing because I think that maybe we'd see races on CBS on Sunday mornings. That would be cool. Or, which I think would be cool. Um, and there's plenty of, you know, channels that they can throw it on. I know that they're associated. They have some associations with like, they have CBS sports network and some of the other stuff, but yeah, I really wonder what this will mean sort of down the road for it. This is something that I kind of think that right now it'll just be something cool. Like maybe we'll see a, a show that they'll do at once a week. That'll be, you know, like kind of behind the scenes F1, something like that. But, who knows what's good, what it's going to be like, you know, five years from now. Yeah. Yeah. You're, so. you're right. Exactly. Um, well, anyway, that was kind of big news. Uh, the only other really news that I have is, is circling around Ferrari. Um, so I got a couple, couple pieces here that we can maybe chat about real quick. Uh, Ferrari boss came out attacking the cost cap penalty breach for Red Bull saying that their current car is proof that the penalty was too light. I don't know if that's uh, valid or not. I know that that Red Bull car is quick, but I think that, uh, you know, you kind of see that the FIA really didn't penalize them too much with their wind tunnel time. And again, Christian Horner already talked about that it caused, it increased efficiency and we've covered that before and it caused them to focus their minds. And so, I don't know, is it that the penalty was too light or did this really, you know, having the the, uh, shortened wind tunnel time really force red bull to keep focusing on on improvements with the limited time they had yeah my i don't know that it's i think this is something that we really won't know for maybe two or three years honestly i do think that in my opinion i think the that the penalty was too light and i only say that because look at that car that they've got out there now if you and and I'm of the mindset of if you put a cost cap on it, I don't care if you go over by a dollar. I don't care what it was allocated to. They've said, oh, it was just catering and vacation sick leave that, that it was. Well, if your catering and your sick leave went over, that means you spent elsewhere. We all know how a budget works. It means you spent elsewhere and that went over, which caused your catering and sick leave to go over. Yeah. You can try to spin a budget any way you want to make it look like you're not doing things you shouldn't be. Right. And if you're if you're holding your internal books, you can easily and it's not like it, it, the, the spend is still there, but you can make it look like that it was catering. But I'm just telling you, if that was catering, that must have been a hell of a catering. That must have been yeah, a hell of a lunch. I'm thinking that they probably had some Dom going, uh, probably some lobster tail uh, oh, yeah. some steak, you know, probably finish it up with a nice uh, a nice Merlot. You know, I mean, you know that's just, a, that's just do- a standard day at Red Bull, right? Right. Yeah. All they need to do really is ask Adrian Newey what he wanted to eat because he's the guy who's built these cars. And, and you know, I, I don't know. I, again, I think it's something that we'll find out down the road. But, yeah, I, in my opinion, I think that they went a little overboard. 
And you can see that because they're so much faster than everyone else right now. Well, I mean, who would have thought the FIA would have got something wrong? Yeah, I mean, they've had a flawless yeah, no record. Kidding. Yeah, they've, they've never, they've, they've never always had done so well. They've never had as you know a small fault in their and their no, history. never, no, no you guys, never. If you guys can't tell the sarcasm here, uh, yeah, we're being completely sarcastic. Yeah. Michael Massey backslash s huge amount of sarcasm all involved in this. The FIA is notorious, and the FIA and Formula One, who are two separate entities. FIA just being sort of the motorsports, being over General Motorsports is. Yeah, they've done it. They've made mistakes. They'll make a call or they not make a call. And we talked last week a little bit about Crashgate, which is a, a whole other story. When and I think we, Josh and I, have talked about maybe going into that in the future. But yeah, yeah, we can talk about those future apps. But I want to I want to stick on the Ferrari news here a little bit. Uh, your boy Charles Leclerc came out and he stated that the April break will be good for Ferrari to aid in the team's development push to compete this season. He basically went on to say what you and I have been saying this whole time. And what I think everybody has been saying is that there's a big gap that they need to figure out that their cars grip and do extremely well in qualifying. But when it comes to race day, they lose grip, they lose speed, they lose time. They need to fix that. And they're really working hard on this break to fix that. And I think when you look at what qualifying, the potentials there, they, 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 I think they're close. They can get there. And it's nice to see that they have their star driver, you know, behind them. And, and is this a, is this just a thing for media to have him look good and paint a good light? Or do you think that he really believes in it? My opinion is that most drivers won't come out and go into this level of detail. You can read the article on his comments and he went into great detail about what they're going to work on and why this is important. But if a driver really feels that the car is done, they'll flat out and say, we've made a huge mistake and, you know, wouldn't be this optimistic. Right. They'll complain about the car nonstop and about the position of the cockpit. Which is, I, I didn't, I didn't. Speaking of, touched on it in the intro. That was what Lewis Hamilton has been saying about the Mercedes and why he feels like he's been struggling in it. He feels like the cockpit is too far forward, which is an odd thing to say. But that's, you know, that, I, those are his. That's what he's been saying. I was, I was uh, so mesmerized by that vintage uh, Alonzo shirt that you're wearing. I kind of glossed right over that. I meant to bring that up, so I'm glad you did. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just looking at this shirt. I'm like, that is a, that is a nice shirt. Look at this. Yeah. Um, no, it, as far as the club, I mean, number one, every driver is always going to try to pump up the team. I do know that um, they are already pushing up some updates. Ferrari have been. And, I, and I'm sure every team is at this point because everybody's so far behind. I know I saw like Alfa and I think Mercedes are. I think ultimately by the end of the season, almost all the cars will look like the Red Bull. Um, and I think the weird thing is, is you know, that that we, we touched on a few episodes ago, that TD39, the technical directive 39 that came out during the middle of last season to stop porpoising really ruined Ferrari's car because their car was made to run really low. And the side pods are designed. And when you when you try to change and say, well, you got to run it higher, that changes everything. Same thing with Mercedes car. I think that their car, their design was, it worked for them, but the porpoising created such a problem that they had to change things with the design to get it to work. And that's why ultimately they're, they're sort of, you know, and they had a very good race uh, last, last week, two weeks ago in, in Australia. I, I think that they will they will also sort of bring to bring developments along and make those changes that will get them competitive. I don't know. The only thing is, is I kind of wonder if, it, you know, as we see like Ferrari, Red Bull, 
maybe. I, and the other thing is we don't know what Aston Martin's going to do. You know, it's hard to know a team like that. You don't really think that they're going to be bringing giant developments that are going to change their car. But they've got money and they've got, you know, a Mercedes engine and basically copied a Red Bull design. So it looks pretty good. They may, you know, they may make it work. You just never know. Um, but I, I kind of feel like, yeah, I kind of feel like eventually we'll see Ferrari sort of in that top two, top three. They'll be there with Mercedes. I really don't see we'll see them. I don't, I don't think we'll see them like fighting for wins on a regular basis this year. But it, just because that Red Bull, because every time that Ferrari Mercedes starts to make a jump, Red Bull's just going to take one sandbag off. Yeah, no, you know, you're right. <laughs> But I think I think what we ultimately need is we just need a uh, a Formula One car to look like a NASCAR that can just ride the wall all the way into a victory. Well, throwback to NASCAR last year. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a joke, yeah. guys. I know, yeah, it is. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I just hope we see somebody like like we say. We still feel like we say this every week, but I hope we see somebody make a challenge, make a run at Red Bull. I think we could. Yeah, I, I think we could see Ferrari after this break if they you know really focused and dedicated that they could steal a win here here or there. I really think it's it's you know it's Red Bull's championship to lose here, and I'm just hoping that we can get enough teams that can kind of band together, steal some wins, and you know maybe at least make it interesting throughout most of the season, and we ultimately know what the end result's going to be. Absolutely. But for the sake of a driver like Leclerc, with how talented he is, I want to see him in a good car. And I and and you know I'm not a Ferrari fan. I know you are, Coy, and we kind of joke yeah. about it, but like. Honestly, I would love to just see that. Like, it's good for motorsport when people think of racing, and you know, you, you look at as far back as in the '60s and and stuff. The face of racing is, is Ferrari. Like when most people think when they think of racing, they think of a Ferrari. So it would just be nice to see them have a dominant car and get back to that winning form and probably the most elite racing format in the world, which is F1. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I would just like to see that. And I and I thought, you know, towards the beginning of last year, I, I thought that they were they were there and they were kind of back. I just like to see them fighting for wins. And they should be, they should be a team that fights for wins because of the amount of pride. And you look at, and I just tell everybody, look at Monza when Ferrari is good and when they if they win, like 2019 when when Leclerc won Monza, and admittedly, you know, Ferrari were playing some funny things with their fuel line that year, but like the shots of him at the top of the podium and they've got a cool podium at Monza that kind of hangs out over the front stretch, but they let all the fans down the front stretch and it's just packed full of people. And when it's a Ferrari driver at the top of that podium in at Monza, it is so cool to watch. And it's, it's one of those things they, they always say about Ferrari fans, they cry. If you win, they cry. If you lose. And it's really true is as somebody who's watched it for as long as I have, I mean, I can remember so many times when, especially during the Schumacher and then the Raikkonen championship year, and then the next year with Felipe Massa, that it, it's just, there's so much passion there. I agree. Any other news that you want to talk about? There's, there's really not. I mean, I was honestly, I was kind of stretching and searching and like, thankfully I yeah. had those comments because it gave us something to talk about. You know, it, it's one of those weeks. It's one of those all weird off weeks where, all the news that you do see is all just like random speculation and little bitty tidbits that are that you can tell that journalists are are stretching and trying to turn into a story. There's really not a whole lot, really at all. You know, I, I mean, it's just it's it's just yeah. like the summer break. I mean, the summer break actually is a little more fun because you have silly season stuff going on. But 
and it's mid-season. There's more news coming out. So yeah, that's really all I had on the news. Just moving along here, I did find a fun quiz kind of on F1 or FormulaOne.com. It was basically acknowledging that there's not a lot going on. So they had a two <laughs> they had a two question quiz. I know big big quiz, but basically it was uh, what historic race or what classic race should you watch during this break to kind of scratch your racing need itch. So Koi and I both took the quiz. And we're going to share our results. It's just a fun thing that we can talk about. So do you want to yeah. go first or do you want me to? No, I'll go first. Yeah, okay. I got um, I got 2008 Brazil, which was a fantastic race. It was, you know, it was another race where I think you had two. I know you had two drivers and maybe three going into that race who could have won the championship. Brazil ended the season in 2008. It was the end of the season race. Uh, Hamilton made a couple great passes. Massa did not get, you know, Hamilton Mas, uh, Hamilton went into that race with a lead and managed to fight back. And I think he had early mistakes, overcame some early mistakes, get high enough in the points to maintain his championship and, and win it was – or to win his first championship. It was a phenomenal race. It's funny because when I was taking it, I was like, actually, one of my most favorite races to watch is the 2007 version of that race, which is the, okay. the year before. Yeah where you had Hamilton, Alonzo, and Raikkonen all within touching distance. And actually, it was Alonzo and, and Hamilton were both – it was Hamilton's rookie year, both in McLaren, and they were leading the championship. Raikkonen was in third. Raikkonen wins the race. Hamilton has a mistake early, and I think Alonzo had a mistake, and they get kind of – like I think a lot, or Hamilton went off the track and never could recover didn't get didn't didn't pass enough cars to get back. I want to say he finished seventh and Raikkonen wins. And it was, and it was, I will never forget it. It was the last time Ferrari won a championship. I will never forget it because I didn't watch the race because I thought this is over with. And I was doing some other stuff and it was, you know, it was in the middle of the day, Brazil Grand Prix in the middle of the day for us. And I remember that day I was like, Oh, you know, they're not going to win. The McLaren's car is so much better this year. I'm just, this was, I was in college. So I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I got other stuff going on. And I, I'm convinced like Ferrari's, um, Ferrari's lack of form or lack of pace and their bad luck is, it's my penance for not watching that race. Now you said you were in college, but when you were in college at that time, you called it university, right? Yeah, we called it university and we had to go away <laughs> for several, it was it was a tough time. It was a tough time. Okay. Any anything anything more on that race? No, I, I did take it. I will say though, I did take it a second time because, and I just like you can pick which decade you want to watch. And when I did it the second time, I picked the '90s. That time, I picked the 2000s because I think the early 2000s for me were like the most fun for Formula One, and it's just because that's when I really got into the sport. But also, there were some, and we can talk later about this. But there were some uh, things about the sport, like they re, they had refueling which I think was phenomenal. It made the racing so much better. Um, but I took it in the, and it did the nineties and they, it was the 92 uh, Monaco Grand Prix, the sort of duel between Nigel Mansell and Ayrton Senna, which was a, another really cool race. Okay. Well, I took the quiz and my result was the 1998 Belgian Grand Prix. And this race is widely known as, I don't know if you want to call it the greatest, but maybe the biggest crash in F1 history. So if you don't know what we're talking about, look it up. This, this wreck was Nuts. I think it took well over an hour for them to even like yep. restart the race, but that wasn't it on the drama. So this was when Michael Schumacher and David Coulthard had a little bit of battle on their own. Uh, Schumacher had a 30 second lead 
the uh, engineers came over to Coltart and told him let Schumacher pass, like just let him go. It was in the rain. He claims that due to the the wetness and the moisture, he couldn't see him behind. Schumacher clips him. Uh, he had a like I said had a thirty second lead. They collide. Ends Michael Schumacher's day. Damon Hill ends up coming in and taking taking the win. Um, they people you know like I said the biggest crash in F1 history, but also mm-hmm. people say it was one of the most drama filled races in F1 history as well. So um, I, I swear that was my first time taking the quiz and I was like, man, that's a good race to go rewatch. So it's, I might actually go rewatch that. It's a phenomenal race. I, I remember that race, that, that race actually. So Schumacher lost the championship that year uh, at the end. He lost it at, at Japan at the very end of the season. And, and if he would have, if he would have, he was, if he would have won that race, he probably would have won the championship. Because he correct, DNF, so he didn't get any points. And correct me if I'm wrong, but his brother was racing in that race too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Ralph, Ralph raced for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Ralph had a huge, uh, huge crash. Ralph had a good, a pretty good little run with Williams, like uh, 2004, three, four, like that sort of time. Ralph was pretty good when they had Juan Pablo Montoya, but he was, yeah. I mean, he wasn't as good. No, that. I was I watched that Belgian Grand Prix and I still to this I mean I think it was Schumacher's fault I don't know what he was doing I think that he thought Coulthard slowed but he but he slowed in the in the lane he didn't get out of the way he didn't get out of the racing line and Schumacher kind of started to go around him and it looked like Coulthard doesn't really he doesn't really move and I, and I just kind of felt like why didn't Schumacher go around him the fun part was after Schumacher after the race he comes in obviously. I think it tore off like uh, the front wing and a, yeah, and a tire off his car. He comes in, and he goes and he goes right after David Coulthard and almost like, you know, he's trying to fight him. He's stomping down the grid and he's, he's got this look in his eye and they finally get, you know, it's, it's a great race. You get to hear a legend in broadcasting and Murray Walker, who has this voice that is so indescribable that like, I can't even, if you can find the highlights on YouTube, watch them 98 uh, Belgian Grand Prix amazing race i actually think if you go to f1's website and you take the quiz and you get it so you just got to put in like 90s and i think drama is your your category and if it, if it brings it up it'll link it to you and it'll, it'll let you watch it for free oh, so that's awesome. i was i was actually at my daughter's soccer practice and it, i started to watch a little bit of it and i was like no nah, i gotta focus on my kids soccer yeah right now. yeah but, watch that one that was a good one so you you mentioned a second race um when i saw that quiz i had a race pop into my mind and i was obviously way too young when it happened for me to even remember it but i have watched this race based off of actually a documentary that we watch but it's on Argentina, and it's the 90, 1993 european grand prix at donnington uh, a lot of people say that was his greatest victory ever so that was kind of like in my mind that if i had to go back and watch a historic race that would be it and then i took the quiz and it gave me that one so i think you can't go wrong with either of those races no, that would be a good one. And I don't remember enough of that one. Like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't an F1 fan then. I was, you know, but I definitely remember I've watched Senna and then I've watched different things about him. And uh, yeah, that was a, that was a great race. He's had yeah, some, so, he had some amazing races and drama filled races. So like I said, when that race came out, obviously I wasn't watching F1. I was way too young, but then after going back, watch the documentary and as I got into F1, I took your advice and, and watched some classic races and that was one of them. And, uh, and yeah, so that was my, that was my pick going into that quiz. If it didn't give me a race that I liked. Another good one. Uh, 2000 Emila, Michael Schumacher called it. Schumacher called it and said it was like qualifying every lap Ooh, because yeah. that was back when refueling was allowed 
and the cars were so much smaller, which means Imola wasn't nearly as it was a little more racy. There was there was a little bit more passing than than there is now. But because they could refuel, you had cars going out there and and just setting fast laps all over the place. And and it was it was super it, it was a good race too. Imola is a classic uh circuit and doesn't really produce amazing racing, but it can produce some some decent racing that was that was one of the years that it produced some great racing yeah that was a good one yeah uh, so yeah belgian belgian grand prix though that one's that's that's like any new fan that's go watch that race because it's fun go watch that yeah because there's you've got one of the greatest to ever do it in michael schumacher you've also got you know honestly a lot of people who are getting into racing they get excited with the wrecks as terrible as that is but that's a good one to go because that'll excite you. That that wreck was massive. It took a long time to clean up. And then after that, you think the drama's over. No, there was tons of drama after that. But yeah. um, if you are a, a person who can appreciate like more of the finer things with racing, I do think that 90, 1993 European Grand Prix, uh, it was a wet surface. And what, what Senna did, his strategy and just his driving was incredible. It was a thing of beauty. That was yeah. back when, you know, it, it, I think I think then, and maybe I'm a little jaded because of the technology now, and now I'm going to sound like the old man yelling at the sky, but that was back when racing came down a lot to the driver and not as much the car. It was about the talent behind the wheel and not not the wheel. It it, it's, it was, the cars mattered. They, I feel like I, did, I, agree with what, but, I agree with what you're saying, though. Like, the cars mattered, because I think that that was, was that the McLaren that was and, like, amazing the mp4 four. i don't i don't want to take anything away from the current drivers like we're we're watching some of the greatest driver like the drivers now like max verstappen lewis hamilton like any of these guys on the grid are insanely good drivers like it's more talent than i will ever have behind the wheel so i don't want to take anything away from them but the guys that did it before it's like anything with technology there they had to make up for it somewhere and it came from just pure experience and pure talent not that the guys today don't have that it's just that you know, they, they were, you know, digging a hole with a dull spoon when these guys have a finely tuned spade and backhoe right now. Well, yeah, I mean, no, and I'm totally wrong. That that McLaren that I'm thinking of is from 1988. Um, no, and you're right. Just look at the steering wheels that like Senna and, and Schumacher had when he was coming up. I mean, Schumacher, as he got older, his his um, his he, he was involved and he sort of had the same sort of technology you see now in the cars, but um, like Senna had no buttons. He may have had one, two buttons on the steering wheel. These guys now were like, I mean, there's a video of Lewis Hamilton explaining what is on his steering wheel. And at one point he actually goes like, it's like brake navigation. He's like, I can't even explain that to you. You won't understand it. I mean, the things that these guys do from corner to corner now, it's like they're driving computers and not just like a computer, but like a supercomputer. It's insane. But yeah, I, like, I totally agree with what you're saying, though. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the the technology in the cars today is just, and obviously, as as we keep moving forward, the technology is going to continue to grow. So it's just a different era, and you, and you can't really compare the two. But anyway, just a just a beautiful race by uh, Artem Senna, who we were robbed way too short of his greatness, which I think could have been a. Uh, well, we don't even get into it on my no my no, but there was some great. Senna. No, there were some great uh, there's some great drivers in that race too. That was. The podium was Senna, Damon Hill, and Alain Prost, three champions. Three legends Actually, right there. Yeah, fun fact about Alain Prost, if you took the modern point system, the point system that they use now, and applied it to Formula One throughout history, 
Michael Schumacher would only have six championships. Lewis Hamilton would still have um, would still have seven, but Alain Prost would have seven too. Oh wow! Okay, and he only has four. He only won four. Uh, yeah, I actually have a fantastic book that I have not read yet, but it's a it's about it's called Prost versus Senna, and it is about like their rivalry in the eighty late eighties early nineties, and you know I would have been amazing. To, to see them and that one time them driving on the same team would have been amazing to watch that. Absolutely. Well, if you guys are really itching for some racing like Koi and I are, um, I encourage everyone to check out IndyCar racing that is going on right now in this weekend. Uh, April 16th, I believe it's the streets of Long Beach for the IndyCar series. And uh, I think the last time they raced an IndyCar, we got to see a driver sitting in a lawn chair contemplating life after he wrecked his car. Um, yeah. Long Beach is a fun track. It's kind of an iconic race in the IndyCar series. And anybody who like likes F1, I always tell them just check out uh, check out IndyCar because I think you get some really good driving. It's open wheel format. Cars are a little different, but you get a little bit of street circuits here in the States. Um, anyway, so if you want some good racing and you're not willing to jump over to NASCAR, I would encourage uh, checking out IndyCar. Yeah, it was the, um, you know, it used to be like, it's kind of like the Monaco of Indy. It's a super fun track to watch. There's, it's like Monaco, but there's more passing, and it's it's got some cool corners in. It. It's got some, yeah. And actually, I think that that used to be, I think that that used to be a Formula One event. Well, and just last weekend we talked about this on our podcast last week was that Formula Drift actually runs their 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 uh, first their kickoff to the season at the same circuit. I mean, granted, it's a much smaller part, but it's a right. part of the streets of long beach they keep it all blocked off and they have their first event at uh, formula drift long beach so it goes from that to the indycar race it's a it's a fun fun week for motorsport in the long beach area and uh it's oh, always yeah. a good race to check out yeah it's a really cool race they used to do i don't know if they still do it they used to do a like celebrity event right oh, before yeah, that they did i don't they know would, if they still do it where they would race like i never forget they were they, racing they, like toyota celicas well, they, they recently changed. I think that they raced in, uh, uh, well, it was the Scion FRS, but now it's the Toyota GT86 okay. or the Subaru BRZ. They, they call them the twins. Um, yeah. I think that's what was the last car they did. I'm not sure if they, they still do it, but you got some fun celebrities because you got guys that like cars and you also got some celebrities with some race experience. It was an interesting yeah. race to watch. What was funny was, funny was the, it was always funny because you'd have the, some of the celebrities that had no race experience, but they would throw them in a car and it would just be... It was just pure fun. comedy, pure oh, yeah. comedy. Oh, it was, I just remember as growing up as a race fan, I'd always watch that, that and the, uh, the international race of champions events that they would hold, which were super weighted to the NASCAR guys. I just want to say that. All right. We, we don't got to get into that. No. Um, man, we kind of flew through that. Anything else yeah. you to talk about? No, you know, I mean, there's not really a whole lot going on. I mean, it's a down week, unfortunately, you know, we can speculate and do all kinds of stuff like the, like the media has done, but, Really, I mean, you know, get ready for Baku at a sprint race. Nobody wants to run. <laughs> exactly. Well, we will have another week with some downtime stuff. Uh, Koi and I have kind of teased at it. I think that we are going to maybe do uh, go into Crashgate, or we might do like an F1 for dummies and bring back a uh, former co-host of the podcast, Kevin, who uh, listens. Um, doesn't really know much about F1, but one, I guess you know he's learning as he goes. But it, we're going to maybe get a bunch of questions from him ahead of time. Uh, about like what does this mean and we'll answer those and try to do like an f1 for dummies for people uh, yeah, and on the top on the topic of kevin he did show up to our men's league hockey game so that was neat 
Yeah. Good job, Kevin. You did yeah. well. Now, keep showing up because he already told us he's a maybe for, yeah. uh, for this weekend. That's right. We can't praise him. We need to keep on him. Yeah. He responds to negative, not positive. He needs a stick, not the carrot. Great analogy. <laughs> uh, we Hey, we talked about it uh, last time, but we had our first golf outing of the year. That was a yeah. good time. Nice to shake the cobwebs time. off. Yeah. We had a good time with that. Didn't, you know, I didn't play as bad as I thought I would. No, you played pretty well. You and you and Rob and uh, and Deke played really well. I did not drive the ball well, but your recovery was doing, shots were incredible. Was doing everything else well. Yeah, I was. Uh, short game was working. I had the uh, I had the short game working. The the greens had just been aerated, so it was impossible to putt. It was just like luck, but aerated, and there was uh, I think they picked the cheapest quality of sand possible, so it was a little bumpy, yeah. but. I mean, first outing of the season, and it was it was it was absolutely cold in the morning. I thought we were gonna freeze, and then it turned out to be a nice day. But uh, yeah, our boy Deke, once he um, once he sobered up from the Blues game the night before, I think he turned it around. But <laughs> he did, man. He was he was belting the ball in the, well, on the back nine. He was he was great. Well, I met him in the parking lot. I think you're on the chipping green, and he walks up and he's like, "Josh, I'm not gonna lie. He's like, I think I'm still drunk from the night before." I'm like, "Oh boy." So I go in, I go yeah. into the clubhouse. I order a coffee, and I was like, "You want anything?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll take six bush lights." I'm like, "Never mind, you're picking up the tab, man." I thought I, I thought I was getting you a coffee or maybe like a donut or something, but hey, he he rallied through, and uh, man, I got to applaud him because he he turned it around on the back nine. He was yeah, he was he was great. I rode with him. He was he was a lot of fun to ride with because he was you could tell he was struggling. It was cold. He was hungover. Then the beers kicked in, and then he started just. Piping those fairways, man. It was hey, great. but you know what though? He showed up before Rob, which is uh, you know, good for him. A guy that got like yeah. four hours of sleep. I think he I mean, he like got home from the bars like three hours before I woke up to like get ready for golf. Right. That's just a sign that he doesn't have kids. No, yeah. I was I don't even know what that like I can't even fathom that. I cannot fathom that sort of behavior. Like the idea of going to bed at three in the morning now just that just I that's so far out of my realm of being that I can't think about I, it. I'm not gonna lie. I don't even think he went to bed at three. I think he left the bar at three. Oh, so oh like yeah. When, no, when he, yeah. When he told me that, I like I had like a hangover headache for him thinking about it, and I didn't even go out the night before. Yeah, he told me that. I kind of like shuddered. I was like, oh, I can't imagine how tired you are. I mean, you know, I'm. I get. I like to go out, party, have fun. I, I do it on a dad level now. You know, you're home at maybe midnight. Maybe one. one you drink way yeah. more beers than anybody else. I mean, I feel like you can just drink beer like nothing now. But, you know, that's the way dads do it. That's right. It's the dad life. Right. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up. Anything else you want to chat about before we uh, sign off here? No, sir. No, I think that's good. Like I said, I, I, I think that next week we'll have something fun. Week after that's preview Baku. We'll get back into it. The, the schedule kind of jumbles up, so it'll be uh, – It'll be fun going forward. Looking forward yeah. to getting back on the track. Yeah, and then we'll be right back into racing, and you guys can listen to us with our ridiculous takes that sometimes or sometimes not turn out to be right. Yeah, and, and now Josh is yelling at the sky, so could it's be fun. Be, it's because I don't have any racing to watch. So I'm just yelling at the sky about things and taking up your hobbies. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. See you.